Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org where you will find several speaker feeds with over 800 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. The opinions expressed in the Light a Candle podcast are those of individual OA members do not represent OA as a whole. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Cleo. Hi, everybody. I'm Cleo, a compulsive overeater. I love this meeting. I get my own bottle of water. This is so nice. You know how you love to be like the one in the room that's special, right? I get my own water. That's really nice. Okay, timer. Who's the timer? Are you? So what I'd like, please, if you could help me, five minutes, ten minutes, and five minutes. I'm just going to do 20 minutes and I'm out. Okay? Is that cool? That's 20 minutes total. All right? And then I'll be done at 10 after instead of whatever, whatever. So five minutes, 10 minutes, and five minutes, if you could let me know. Do you understand? Okay. Can you set the timer for five minutes right now? Yeah. Okay. And then when that goes off, will you set it for 10 minutes? And then when that's done, five minutes. Okay. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you all. Okay, you guys, I am a compulsive overeater. Hi, you guys. I'm Cleo. Hi, Cleo. <sighs> Congratulations. Congratulations to the chip takers, people doing the work. What I know in this program is if you do the work, you get the results. First time I came to a meeting was February 1989. I was in New York City. And I came to a meeting. It was set up kind of like this. They had a big bench in the back for anybody who was over 500 pounds. And people used to sit on that bench, too. And when I came and I heard people sharing, they were talking about their day. They were talking about what was hard. They were crying. They had Women were crying. They were saying they've tried to get it. They just can't get it. And uh, my friend who told me about it, I was like, I can't go to this program. This is a program for white women. They sit in there and tell all their business and cry and do all that shit. I said, black women don't do that. We don't tell our business, honey, what go on in this house, stay in this house. You ain't going to stand up in front of nobody and tell all your business. And definitely not going to have no feelings about it in front of nobody. You, I mean, you, you know, if somebody pissed you off, you can show your anger and you can show piss off, but you're not going to be vulnerable in front of a room of people. Oh, no, sweetheart. No, 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 no. We're not gonna. So I left for a few years, and I realized that was my disease, right? My disease does not want me to be one of many. My disease does not want me to be one of you, and my disease doesn't want help. So in any way that I cannot get help, that's my disease. You know, I will go to a person and say, I'll be in this room and I'll say, you know, I really like what you shared today. Oh, my God, it really resonated with me. Will you be my sponsor? And that person will say, yes. And then they'll say, call me on Monday and we'll talk. And then when they call me, they'll say, I want you to call me five days a week at 720. I want you to turn over your food on a daily basis and get to three meetings a week. And the first thing I say is, I don't do that. I don't, uh-uh. I'm not getting up at no uh, 720 calling nobody. I don't turn over my food. I'd rather tell you about my sex life, but not my food. And I'm just not calling you no five days a week. I don't have time for that. My life is busy. I have a full life, honey. I don't have time to call you no five days a week. Now, I'm the one that told this person that I love what you have, and I'd love to work with you. And the minute they say, okay, and this is what you need to do, then I want to go, uh, not so much. But that's my disease, and I know it today because my disease wants food. My disease wants deep fried foods, and it took me to over 350 pounds. 
over 350. So my disease wants deep fried foods. It wants sandwiches all day. No vegetables, please. Okay? And deep fried. I can care less about dessert. I'll go to my second or third helping. I'll get to the dessert later, but I don't care about that stuff. Just give me more helping. You know, even for, so my disease just want more. I can look at a plate of food and my disease says, honey, that's not going to be enough. My disease told me, don't go to that person's house because they don't have food at their parties. Honey, I'm not doing that. <laughs> my disease said, uh-uh, don't go there, honey. That's a waste of time. My disease said, these people don't know how to cook. How do they, how do they, this food ain't seasoned right, honey. How do they, my disease is like, mm -hmm. I'm from the Midwest. I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. And all my summers were spent in Mississippi. And I know good food. But then it got me to over 350 pounds. And what got me was the reason, um, you know, in my family, my mother was, my mother and father were never married. They were together. My dad went and got married. They were still together. She said she was there first. So for probably 13 years, it was my dad, his wife, and my mother. And so I'm a product of my mom and dad, but everybody kind of wanted me to not say who my dad was or, or not talk about that I wasn't his wife child. So everybody wanted me to be quiet in my life as a child. And so it turned to be the opposite for me, you know. And my mother used to spank us and whip us, and my father used to spank us and whip us. And that abuse really kind of made me feel not worthy. Abuse is abuse is abuse for me. Now, some people can realize she was just doing her best. She was 27 years old. She had seven kids by herself at 27. Child, I could barely spell my last name at 27, you know? At seven kids, I'd be like, oh, no, somebody got to get up out of here. Not seven. Not seven. So she was doing the best she could with what she had. So she was, like, dealing with my dad and da 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 da, da. Did the five go off yet? Beautiful. I love this room. Okay. So the... um you know, they wanted me to be quiet and not talk about it. Blah, 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 blah. And we would have eating contests, you know, when I was a kid. I always spent the weekend with my dad. And so my brothers and my dad would have an eating contest. We'd go to uh, buffets, and they would have eating contests. And I wanted in because they would – thank you so much. And they would – I wanted in. So I would get in the contest. And we would set the table when we go out because we didn't want to go back up there like 40 times. So we would set the table. Everybody would bring a plate of meat, a plate of this, and honey, it would be just a mess. It would be over the top, my dad's side of the family. Now, the house I grew up in, that wasn't the case. We didn't do it like that. But my dad's side, I loved it because everybody did it big, honey, with the food, everybody. So we would have contests and it was all about who ate the most and who. So I, I really learned to use food when I got to college because I missed my family so much. And I thought I would just miss them because the abuse, you know, the beatings with the extension cords, the belts. My last beating came when I was 17 with a stick from a plunger. My brother held me down and my mother beat the crap out of me because I ran away from home because of a beating. And then he held me down because I wouldn't go to school. Well, I was coming back because he told me she was going to work. So I came back. What kid, you know, run away but still going to school? Me. So I'm coming back to get dressed for school. He says she's gone. I come in, and here she comes from around the refrigerator. He holds me down, and she beats me with a stick from a plunger, 17. 
So then when I got to college, I thought, okay, I'm done with all the abuse. I'm done, I'm done. That's where I took off using food. That's where I really started to use food. In, in college, it was buy one, get one free. Buy one, get one free, a sandwich, get one free. And I used to share with my boyfriend. And then one day he said, I'm so hungry, I've got to eat them both. And I said, well, what should I do? He said, eat them both. Now, here's the funny thing. I was the youngest of seven. We lost a sister, so I grew up the youngest of six in my house. We would have one chicken for my mother and me and my siblings. So everybody had designated pieces. We couldn't just fix the table and eat what we want. There was no money for that. So we had designated pieces. I couldn't just get different pieces. Everything was shared like a motherfucker, okay? (laughs) Everything was shared. So it had never occurred to me by the time I got to college to eat them both. Once he told me that, I always ate them both. And it's just like when my friend who introduced me to the program, when, he, when I went out to lunch with him, he said, are you going to have an appetizer? I said, what's that? He said, well, it's kind of like a meal before the meal. I said, oh, yeah, I'm having that. And from that moment on, I would have appetizers at breakfast. I would have them at lunch. I would have them at dinner. When I was in high school, when I would get paid at high school when I was working a work-study program, I would go to three different restaurants and eat. I would go to the first restaurant. I'll drive through, honey. I would go to the first one, get food, eat in the car. Go to the second one, eat more food, get, you know, in the car. Go to the third one, eat more food. But when I got home, I still had food left over. Crazy mess. I used that food for everything. So when I uh, went to college is when I really started to act out. Then I did all the drugs and everything, and then I remember um, once I was leaving college, um, I think it was Jim Belushi or one of them died, or John Belushi died, I think, and um, I had I got a sign, and it was like, okay, if you don't stop with the drugs, and I wasn't doing no major drugs, but I was doing enough, and uh, if you don't stop, that that's going to be your life, because with me, if I really like something, honey, I'm doing it till the wheels fall off. I'm doing it. I'm in. And I want to do, even if that's Scrabble, I want to do it until the wheels fall off. That's just how I am. That's how I roll. If I like it, it's on and cracking. It's cracking. So with me, I had to learn that, okay, I'm done with the illegal drugs. The day I left my college town, I said, I'm done. If it's illegal, I'm done. So I was done with that. But that's when the food really took off. I was living in New York City. The food took off, and I was crazy with it. So my first meeting was February 1989, and when I came to this program, I found every reason in the world to not work the program. You know, I told you, oh, this meeting is not for me. It's not for us. It's not for black women. Oh, ain't enough men in here. Uh, Ain't enough women in here. Oh, ain't enough nobody in here for me. But what I realized is, it's my stuff and my issues. I can look at somebody, and I always got issues. That's just who I am. I can look at somebody, throw their hair, and I can decide I don't like her. I can look at how a guy walks or how he speaks to his wife, and I can decide, ooh, I can't stand him. If he ever says anything to me, I'm going to make sure I set him straight. You know, in my family, the person who popped off first was the person who won. So the loudest won usually. And if you popped off first, you usually was running things, you know? So I learned that in my life. I'm not going to come for you, but if you come for me, we're going to have it. We're going to really have it. We're going to have it. And I'm proud to have it. Even in traffic, I'm proud to have it. Oh, you want to go? Let's go. And I have followed people. I have followed people in traffic because they pissed me off. Now, what was I going to do? I don't know. 
But my anger and my rage said, you better not get out of that car. And I guess I portrayed that enough and showed them enough that they never got out of the car or whatever. And, you know, I thank God today because God is first in my life. And I thank God today that I am not the crazy one. I, my head is still crazy. My head says, get her. Get her. You know when somebody says something that you don't like? Get her. Get her. Get him. You better get him now before he gets. My head does say things like that. But I know today that, you know, I am just more of who I was meant to be. I'm not angry in traffic. What if that person just lost their mom? What if that person just lost their dad to cancer? What if they just lost their child to a disease that they didn't have a cure for? And they're acting out. They're just feeling their feelings because they don't have a 12-step program. It's free. We can come here for free. And when we pass the basket, put a few dollars in. That's a miracle that we got here. That's a miracle that we, it's like therapy. You've got to write the check for 100 bucks or whatever your insurance, you know. We don't have to do that here. So what am I mad about? Nothing. Life is good. I have to figure it out. I've learned to love in this program unconditionally. I have a 10-year-old who I adore. He was adopted. Prayed for him. Prayed for this boy. Prayed for him. And he got home. And some days, you talking about acting out. Oh, my God. I could tell you stories if you had two days. He acts out so bad. And some days, I wanted to say to people, that's not my son. That's not my son. That ain't mine. That ain't mine, honey. Mm-mm. And guess what? I still have to claim him. He is mine. He is mine. But my crazy head says, I know. I I don't want to be attached to that. Because he's not acting the way I want him to act or I think he should act. And here's the deal. And this is what I give everybody today. We're all doing the best we can with what we have. And that's what I know today. I have so many miracles in my life that I'm grateful for. You know, I just keep coming back. I don't give up. I don't give up. I don't give up. I do what my sponsor suggests. Whatever she suggests, I do it. It might take me a day or two or three or four, but I do it. I don't like turning over my food, but it's going to help my program. I don't want anybody in my food. I just don't. Like I said, I'd rather talk to you about my sex life than my food. That's how intimate my food is to me. Sex, I can just be like, hey, you ain't going to believe this. You know, and it could just be funny, right? But my food, I don't want to share my food with anybody. It's my business. It's my, And that's why I have to include my higher power. And I have to work my program to the best of my ability. And I have to do these steps. I've worked the steps many times. And just for today, you guys, another miracle has happened in my life. For maybe five months, I'm a vegan vegetarian. That is a miracle. That, I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. I'm from St. Louis. All my summers were spent in Mississippi. I ate until I had diabetes. I ate until I had high blood pressure. I ate until both knees were out. My doctor said, you need two knee replacements. And I literally was walking like this. I wouldn't stop. I wasn't willing. I had to be in the house on fire. The last room and the last house on the block, everything had to be on fire for me to say, okay, it's time to make changes. It's time to make changes. High cholesterol, medication. I wasn't willing to love me unconditionally because I thought food gave me joy, even though it was killing me. I know a friend who's a dear friend from my childhood. 
she had uh, two years ago one of her legs amputated because of diabetes and she's two years older than me and that's when I got myself to a nutritionist and I said okay and I told her what happened she said it didn't have to happen but you know when um, I was choosing food, I wasn't willing to work my program. I wasn't willing to keep God first. Today, I have to keep God first because I know if I don't, I'm going to judge you. I'm going to put you in a category. I'm going to make you the problem. I'm never going to look at myself. And it's about looking at myself. What can I do today? And I know this one I love so much. It's not about tomorrow. It's not about yesterday. It's about today. What am I going to do just for today? And sometimes it's one hour at a time. You know, one foot in tomorrow, one foot in yesterday, and you're going to shit all over today. You know, that's just it. I'm sorry, crap all over today. Am I not supposed to? I've been cutting up. And am I not supposed to do that here? Okay. Sorry. I won't say any more of those words. So sorry. So one foot in tomorrow, one foot in yesterday, and you're going to crap all over today. Thank you. So here's my five. So in my life, my higher power is a woman. God is a man. My higher power uses black dialect. I needed someone with black dialect in my life to love me unconditionally. I never felt I had that. I felt they were mad because I was born. I just felt like they didn't want all those kids, you know, and the reason they had so many is because they didn't know about birth control. So I just felt like they just thought their lives would be better without us, and I never felt like I got unconditional love. You know, the first time I heard my mother say, I love you, I was 18, headed back to college, and I said it to her first. I said to her, I love you, and she said it back to me on the front porch. And I remember I got in the car, and I just smiled because she had never said those words to me. And when you grow up with all those beatings and you don't have the unconditional love, you don't automatically give it to yourself because you don't really know how. And, you know, that's why today... I'm willing to work my program and put God first because without it, I'm just going to be an angry, mad, I lost out, I missed out, how can you, how do you deserve, there's no comparison. The only person I can compare myself to is who I was before I walked in these doors of the Overeaters Anonymous. 300, over 350 pounds, that's who I can compare myself to. And I'm grateful because food, for the first time in my life, I don't want to eat out every meal. I don't want to eat out. I literally, this is breakfast. This, and this is one of the biggest miracles in my life. Chop three sauteed vegetables, spinach, onion, and mushroom, spinach, onion, and bell pepper. Either one of those, three sauteed in coconut oil with egg whites, and maybe a piece of veggie sausage. That's a miracle. That's a miracle. I have never done that in my life, but this is where they say the road narrows. I kept coming back, and if you've never heard it from anybody else, keep coming back. Don't quit before the miracle happens, because if you put God first and you show up, you will learn to love yourself in this program and not looking for an answer out there for somebody else to love you. You, you can really learn it in here. You know, I didn't have people to show me how to do life. Nobody sat me down and said, okay... This is how you do this. You balance a checkbook this way. This is how you love your children. This is how you take care of your money for the week. This is how, honey, wasn't none of that going on at the dinner table? I don't know what that is. 
So I had to learn to do that in here. I'm so grateful I came to Overeaters Anonymous because we get a sponsor in here. When you hear somebody who speaks the way, you get to talk to them. And miracles happen all the time, and I don't take it for granted. I know it's my higher power. Just two days ago, I'm having a meeting that God has led us to with this grant we're filling out and all this stuff. And I see my old co-worker, right? And what I love, too, is that we don't have to talk about what we do in here. None of that matters. I'm a compulsive overeater, so there you go. So I see my old co-worker. I get up. I run to him, and he's on the phone, and I speak to him, and we hug. And then, you know, we talk for a few minutes, and then he goes on. And then I send to him, and he's also a 12-stepper. And I send to him probably 10 minutes later, and he said, I said to him, it was a God shot for me to see you today because I'm doing this work and it's grueling for me and I'm stressed out. And to me, seeing you was a God shot. And he said, sent back to me, let me tell you how you are a God shot. I was just speaking to someone because he doesn't go to OA. He said he's in other 12-step programs. He said, I was just telling someone it's time for me to go to OA. I have to go to OA. And he said, by saying that on the phone, he was stressed out already. And he said, when he saw me, he said, God said to him, see, it works. He goes, what happened to you? Look at how much, look at how much weight you've lost. And I said to him, well, you know, I'm vegan vegetarian. He said, don't curse at me like that. <laughs> but the main thing is, is that, you know, I'm grateful I have a place to come. I'm grateful there are meetings all day, every day in our Los Angeles area. I have been to meetings all over the world. When I travel, that's one of the favorite things to get to a meeting. Because when you share that you're from wherever you're from, they're so blown away that you came to a meeting while you were on vacation. I love that. You know, I love special treatment anyway. So, I mean, I was just telling a friend today how I was in Sweden. I was in Sweden working for three months. And I was driving and couldn't read the signs. The signs, but the meeting was an hour away. But I had to get to an OA meeting, so I was driving. I would get to a roundabout, and I just wait until everybody left the roundabout <laughs> because I couldn't read it, and I wasn't going to go and mess up because it was just too much pressure. So, but I got my butt to the meeting one hour away. I went. They only had one meeting on Fridays, and I would get there, and I was so grateful. That was it, you guys. Keep coming back. Don't quit before the miracle happens. And know that you are worthy of this program. This is what we can do for ourselves. Nobody has to give it to us. It doesn't cost money, and we got here. There's so many people dying who didn't get here, losing limbs, losing everything. I am so grateful you're here to share with you on a Saturday afternoon. Thanks for being here.